0: Quick,
1: listen, enjoy. Broadcasting
0: live worldwide. Thank you for tuning in to TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest
1: running Jewish broadcast network. The voice of the Jewish community.
0: You're listening to TalkLine with Zev Brenner. America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now your host. Welcome back to the program, Mom, Zev Brenner. ways a privilege, ways a treat to have Harvard Law Professor Emeritus Alan Avi Dorsch was with us. So, Professor, good to have you back again. Thank you a for joining. a pleasure
1: to be on. You know, I missed not being on the floor of the Senate today. It brought back some memories of last year, and uh, but I made a decision this time not to do it and uh, watched with interest as my former student, Jamie Raskin, I thought made an excellent presentation, and David Schoen made an excellent presentation. Um, But I didn't think the opening argument for the defense was particularly compelling. Um, It uh, seemed like it was more of a schmooze than an argument. Um, One of the most enjoyable parts of David Schoen's argument was every time he took a drink of water, he put his hand on his head, Uh, to cover his head because he's an orthodox Jew.
0: (laughs) Uh, Which is fun. Now, by the way, he originally said he wanted the trial to stop on Shabbos, and I think he withdrew that.
1: No, I think it – I'm not sure. It may be over by then. But uh, he's not – apparently he's not going to be there on Shabbos. Uh, But seeing him put his hand on his head, I remember doing that for many years as a kid when I was a debater. Uh, But I didn't see him say – I didn't see him make a shackle. Uh, (laughs) Maybe maybe uh, he drank before
0: just continuing
1: (laughs) Just before, <laughs> continuing shackle. Yeah, but it really shows you, you know, in America, uh, an orthodox Jew can do anything.
0: So, but the arguments that were made, and I thought the Democrats, by the way, did a very good opening for themselves as well. They did.
1: They did. Uh, the videotape was compelling, irrelevant, but compelling. And, uh, the you know, as one of the people said, when you see those tapes, you want to blame somebody. And so... It shifts the burden, basically, to the president to say, I didn't make him do it. Um, they did it on their own. Of course, the president has a very compelling argument. He spoke to thousands of people, most of whom did not go to the Capitol. He didn't uh, incite. What he did was invite. He said, you know, I urge you to go and protest peacefully and uh, patriotically. Some went, many didn't. So that's not like shouting fire in a crowded theater. Obviously, if you shout fire in a crowded theater, everybody Nobody thinks about it. You just leave. But the president's speech, people thought about it. Some people didn't go. Some people went. Some people who went broke into the Capitol. Many didn't. Some people who broke into the Capitol committed further crimes. Many didn't. So you can't show a direct one-to-one relationship between the speech and what happened.
0: Now, by the way, you mentioned crying fire in a crowded theater. I believe that was a the Yiddish theater that that whole case came about. It was <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I know.
1: I can tell you that my great-grandfather who um, worked in a crowded in a crowded garment district area when there was a fire. My great-grandfather worked in the Triangle shirtwa- Shirtwaist factory, and the fire was on Shabbos. And because he was an Orthodox Jew, he wasn't there on Shabbos, and so his life was saved. And we grew up in my family with that message, don't work on Shabbos and your life will be saved.
0: That's a good story. Now, the Constitution, now the big thing for today was, is it constitutional? And they kept, the Democrats made the case that no, the re, Donald Trump's defense team is reading it wrong. There's precedent, and you can be indicted after you leave office, and they're reading it wrong. And the, of course, the president's saying just the opposite. So you're, you've studied these issues. There's only two yep. cases. What, is, what do the records show? It's either yes or no.
1: It's yes or no, and the answer is no. It's very, very clear. The Constitution says that. A president and other civil officers may be impeached and removed. You have to be the president. You have to be a civil officer. You can't be a former officer. The text of the Constitution is clear. And then it says if you're removed, they can remove you and disqualify you. It doesn't say or disqualify you. And then James Madison, the father of the Constitution, said clearly in Federalist Number 37 that you have to be a sitting officer of the United States, a sitting president, to be impeached and tried. So I think the strong argument favor of not putting the president on trial is in the Constitution itself, and the House managers went so far overboard, they said there's no statute of limitations, there's no temporal limitation, which means that they can impeach anybody. They can now impeach Nikki Haley if they didn't like something she said at the UN and prevent her from running for president. They could impeach uh, Jimmy Carter saying we didn't like the way you handled the Iran-Contra affair. They could go back in time for anybody. And if I were the lawyer arguing for the president, I would have focused on the brief and how far it goes and how dangerous it is. David Schoen did that, and, uh, but, you know, the votes are pretty well fixed. Uh, this is political theater, and the reason I'm not there is I'm neither an actor nor a politician. This was not really something where a lawyer could have an impact on the votes. Um, people voted um, mostly according to their own political and partisan interests.
0: Now, the video that was shown, and the, and I was waiting to see, because one of the things that the president has stated clearly is that he said a peaceful and patriotic protest. When they showed the video, they consciously leave that out. They're skewing the video to present their point of view. There's something wrong with this picture.
1: There is, and uh, CNN did that repeatedly. PBS did that repeatedly. It's always done. And also, when they show the president saying... There are good people on both sides, uh, fine people on both sides. They leave out what he then said, saying, I didn't mean to suggest that applies to neo-Nazis or white nationalists. They should be condemned universally. So they always leave that out. And that's just bad journalism and unfair to the American people when they leave things like that out. And so when you hear the whole speech in context, it's very clear it's constitutionally protected, And uh, in the end, I think the Senate will not vote to convict. But even the very fact that they're having the trial sets a very dangerous precedent, because it means that impeachment has become weaponized for partisan political purposes. Today it's used against a Republican president. Tomorrow it will be used against a Democratic president. And I will fight equally uh, against the abuses, no matter who it's used against. I'm neutral on this. I myself am a liberal Democrat. But uh, I would apply my principles to Republicans or Democrats alike.
0: Now, but it was used as a tool against Democratic President Bill Clinton. I'm not sure if he should have been impeached for the Monica Lewinsky. He shouldn't
1: have been. He shouldn't have been. He committed a crime, but it wasn't a high crime. It was a low crime. Uh, Hamilton wrote in the Federalist Papers that you need a crime that uh, shows a dereliction of duty, and basically that's political in nature. Hamilton knew that because he himself committed a crime when he was the Secretary of the Treasury, he had committed adultery and then engaged in paying extortion, um, but they were not high crimes, and therefore he wasn't impeached. Uh, to me, the best precedent for why uh, the framers didn't believe in impeachment for a former president is the case of Aaron Burr. When Aaron Burr left the vice presidency, he went down south and started an insurrection against the United States. It never occurred to anybody to impeach him, even though he was a young man, and could run for office. Instead, they prosecuted him criminally in a trial presided over by Chief Justice John Marshall. He was ultimately acquitted at that trial. But that's the proper procedure. If you think he's committed a crime, then you, uh, then you prosecute him. You don't impeach him if he's no longer in office, because the object of impeachment is removal. And you can't remove a former president or a former vice president
0: when you say prosecute, you mean in court because
1: in court they went to court they prosecuted him in i think in virginia or washington and they had a jury trial and the jury acquitted him uh, of treason and of insurrection and of all those kinds of things and he was clearly you know leading a campaign to try to to try to basically gain control over parts of the united states but nobody thought about impeaching him because it never occurred to the framers that you can impeach somebody who's already left office. That's just made up.
0: But the Democrat waste point saying, well, listen, there was one official, wasn't a president, who resigned, yeah. and they still yeah. impeached him, so therefore there's precedent. Yeah,
1: and they were wrong to do it then, and they're wrong to do it now. It was a very close vote. And ultimately they acquitted him because there weren't enough senators who believed that the Senate had jurisdiction, so they acquitted him. So that, that's not much of a precedent.
0: But who sets the rules? Because is each Senate... That's in session set the rules because you know they can seem like they can do what they want to do.
1: Nobody knows the answer. You know, the Senate has power to do the wrong thing. It has the power to violate the constitution. But the Senate is not above the law. It takes two oaths. One, it takes the general constitutional oath, and when they're trying somebody for impeachment, they take a special oath. And yet I think they're violating their oath by putting somebody on trial who cannot be removed. And if he can't be removed, I don't think he can be impeached and tried. Otherwise, it becomes a bill of attainder. The Constitution says, you know, Congress can't put people on trial if they're ordinary citizens. That's what's called the bill of attainder. It's prohibited by the Constitution. And citizen Trump, Donald Trump, is today an ordinary citizen. And I don't believe he can be impeached. But, of course, that was voted down by 44 to uh, 56, with six Republicans joining the Democrats. That doesn't make it um, a nonpartisan vote. That just means there are Republicans there who would benefit from seeing Donald Trump not running for president uh, three and a half years from now.
0: So who watches the Senate to make sure, in order, if they can make it up, they're not held accountable to anybody. So now the That's president has said that you can be out of office and still be impeached. That's how it's set today. Yeah.
1: But if you don't like it, you'd vote against the people who did it. Um, no. Uh, Chuck Schumer is going to come up for election, uh, and maybe he'll be primaried by AOC. Who knows? Uh, The dynamic in New York is uh, always very interesting to watch. Uh, But political accountability is the ultimate uh, way of checking people. If they go too far, the courts can sometimes intrude. But the courts generally try to stay away from political issues.
0: Now... In a normal court proceeding, which you know very, very well, the judge has to be yeah. impartial. He has to appear to have no right. t- connection. Yet you have the presiding judge, because the Supreme Court judge did not want to preside over this case, as somebody who is against, who's voting for impeachment. How can you have somebody judging the case when it's predetermined what he's going to vote for and be in charge of the proceedings?
1: That's why the Constitution provided for the Chief Justice to preside because the Chief Justice is presumed to be neutral, not political, not running for office. The fact that Chief Justice Roberts refused to preside, he didn't he didn't just not want to, he refused to do it because I think he understood that the framers of the Constitution didn't intend a trial for a former president. You know, it says the president. There's only one the president. His name is Biden. It's not Trump. It used to be Trump. But I don't think you can put the president on trial if he's not the president, and if he can't be removed. So, you know, I think the Senate voted erroneously today, but it won't be the first time, and it won't be the last time the Senate votes unconstitutionally. I mean, today, basically, the Senate was the the Tom Brady of record-breaking. <laughs> it broke more records. It violated more constitutional rights in one day, um, you know, putting the trial forward, denying due process from the House, uh, having a bill of attainder, um allowing it to go forward despite the fact that it's constitutionally protected. So many violations of the Constitution in one day, I think they broke the record.
0: And so they're going to get away with it. But my question still remains, if the Chief Justice is not presiding, can, can yep. somebody preside who has, has a bias against the person on trial and it's clear about it, so I'm going to vote uh, to impeach him, can that person preside over a, a, a trial? Yeah.
1: I think it's not fair, and the other question is should he now vote since he presided? The person who really was supposed to preside if the chief justice didn't preside is the vice president of the United States. She's the president of the Senate, but she may be running for election. <clears throat> for president in 2024, and you certainly don't want a presiding judge to try to disqualify the person who might be running against her, so it's a mess. That's why the Constitution provided for the chief justice, and that's why the chief justice <clears throat> they refused to preside because I think he understands this is not what the Constitution intended.
0: Now, Professor Alan Dershowitz, you are somebody that was obviously at the first impeachment trial. You've spoken out. Uh, you've gotten a lot of backlash from Today we live in an age where people, they look yep. at the Biden administration, people who work for Trump are automatically trafed. They have thrown out. So. right. Have you had more implications of defending the president and the constitutionality as time goes on? Are you getting more and more threats and more and more people saying, I don't want to talk to you?
1: Certainly on Martha's Vineyard, it's been very easy for me to socially distance because nobody wants to talk to me. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of pushback, including from some of my friends and relatives um, who think I shouldn't have done it uh... And they 're wrong, uh, I think it was the right thing to do. I decided not to do it this time, but um, I think I performed a patriotic duty by defending the Constitution in front of the Senate last time, and we won and i 'm proud to have been the oldest person in American history. Ever to argue for a president in an impeachment case. I was the youngest professor in the history of Harvard, now the oldest person ever to argue a presidential impeachment, so i 'm proud of that
0: uh, listen, you did a great job. Before I let you go, here's something that bothers me. I'm reading that, for example, that Fox let go of Lou Dobbs because he talks about this fake election and the results. Yeah. How far does free speech go? Can somebody get on there and say it was a stolen election? And he, can he has the right to say it or if he says it, he's considered tainted where even he can be sued by like Dominion or some of these other political companies that are suing Fox and Newsmax and all these atlas. How far does it go?
1: It's a good question. Um, of course, a person, any person can say anything they want about the election. You can say the earth is flat. You can say the Holocaust didn't occur. It's despicable if you say it, but you can say it. You have a free speech right, but uh, they can fire you from a network for being a flat earther or a Holocaust denier or anything else. Uh, they can take you off committees if you say that you believe that the fires in uh, California were caused by the Rothschild family sending lasers down to uh, Earth. Uh, so, you know, Fox has its First Amendment rights as well, and um, they have the right to fire Lou Dobbs. I'm sure he'll be picked up by somebody else, and uh, he'll continue to have his free speech rights, but Fox is entitled to decide who they want to have on the air.
0: No, but you have conversations, I mean, suing Fox, saying, well, because on the air you're saying that the election was stolen. And, and no, no, no,
1: they didn't sue him because they said the election was stolen. They sued him because they said Dominion deliberately did ABCD, and that would be defamatory against Dominion. We'll see how that case unfolds. Look, I'm suing CNN because they doctored my argument. They doctored the recording of my argument. Uh, When I was in front of the Senate, I said a president could be impeached if he committed criminal-type behavior, if he did anything unlawful or illegal. And they doctored the tape to take out the words unlawful, illegal, criminal, And they made it sound like, I said, a president can do anything he wants, even illegal conduct, and I'm suing them for that.
0: So that they can can get away with, it. and obviously you're suing them. But here is the case there, but if I remember reading correctly that some of the networks are are censoring those that say, Lou Dobbs is a bad example. He probably said Dominion, you know, was, respo- was, was responsible for the stolen election. But even just saying the election was stolen, like I think Rudy Giuliani, they, they put a clamp. Yeah, well, put a, network
1: is allowed, a network is allowed to decide who's on. CNN has banned me, partly perhaps because I'm suing them, but partly perhaps they didn't like the fact that a liberal Democrat supported the constitutional rights of President Trump. So they've banned me, and, uh, you know, that's uh, their prerogative, and my prerogative is to um, bring that to the public attention and let the viewers know that they have denied the viewers the right to hear my analysis of the Constitution. So that's the open society in which we live. And I can always come on your show and get my point heard by the really important audience, your audience.
0: (laughs) No, listen, we always love to have you on, but it just bothers me that... that Really, free speech is being stifled, and it's, if anything is conservative or anything that nope. smacks, I
1: have a new book. I have a new book coming out. It'll be out in a few weeks. It's called "The New Censors: Can We Rescue the First Amendment from Social Media, Progressives, and Universities?" That's my new book coming out.
0: I guess we will be on CNN to talk about
1: it. <laughs> not CNN, but others, because um, CNN's in the book. I have an article in the book about CNN. And you, oh, also, have, you also have you also have a daily
0: podcast too, right?
1: Yeah, the Dirst Show. The only thing that's missing from Dirst Show is the wits. And the wits are provided by my listeners and viewers who call in. So it's on Rumble and it's on YouTube and it's on uh, the, you know, all the all the places you get iPods done every day of the week, not Shabbos. Are
0: but you five o- days a week. Are you overly optimistic or pessimistic in the direction that we're going?
1: You know what they say in Israel? A pessimist is somebody who says, Oitbe, oh, things are so bad they can't get worse. And an optimist says, Yes, they can. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I'm an optimist in the sense that things could get worse, but I think they're going to get better.
0: And um, Professor Alan Avi Dersher, thank you for being with us. And we look pleasure. forward you know, to having you back in. And I assume nothing's going to This is theater, as you said, so he's not going to be acquitted. Do you think he's going to be censored?
1: Uh, I don't know. That's possible. That's possible.
0: We'll see. Anyway, thank you so much. Look forward to having you back again. My pleasure. Thank you. Hi, this is David Gabe, and you're listening to the Zev Brenner Show.
1: Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Talkline radio and TV with Zev Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the TalkLine Network and TalkLine's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at com. Thanks for listening. TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community.